0: Today on the Word Preacher podcast, Christ encounters an old enemy. Jesus shows how to deal with temptation and how the scriptures provide real strength. I'm Brett Jensen and this is the Word Preacher podcast. All right, this week we are in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke 4 and 5. Uh, One of the main highlights of these sections are the temptations of Jesus Christ. Uh, That will be the focus of today's podcast. There are some other things in there. We encourage, uh, of course, that you continue to study these on your own and that you discuss those with Uh, those who are close to you. Uh, Very valuable stuff in what we will not cover, uh, but let's jump into what we are covering. One of the things that's really interesting about this passage, um, if we look in the Matthew account, uh, we see that it says he is uh, being led up of the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. That's kind of uh, interesting, especially uh, a little bit further as Jesus begins to teach in his Sermon on the Mount in the next chapter. he, He talks about, well, I guess it's two chapters, but he talks about in his prayer, his sample prayer, that's very famous, the Lord's Prayer, Uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This idea of being led into temptation by God himself is a little bit curious, Um, and it is possible to get a little bit of reading in uh, the Joseph Smith translation, get some insight. His goal was not to go talk to Satan, and I think that's of note. We, We don't need to go and seek out Satan. In the process of seeking out God, Satan will inevitably come and try and stop us. Certainly that is the case for what happened here. He was fasting 40 days and nights, and, uh, and that's really significant. Uh, in this process of seeking God, he encounters this, this old enemy. Different circumstances can occur with that, even contemporarily. When we think about um, times that people have fallen into temptation, Sometimes God does things to warn us of dangers. Modern prophets warn against uh, things from pornography to alcohol to uh, compromising situations, bad music or movies, all sorts of things that could be dangerous that could lead us to do other things that are bad. Covetousness, even classically in the Old Testament. The idea of if we're coveting something a lot, or if we have pride or lust, these are things that God warns us that could lead to things that are bad. Um, Sometimes it seems like God waits until after the damage is done before he lets us know. And if we're careful as we look at those circumstances, we can see that usually those are times when it should have been pretty obvious that you know, we should know better. For example, David and Bathsheba. At any point, as he was up on his roof looking at Bathsheba, you know, he could have realized, "Eh, maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, maybe I should go be with, you know, any one of his other wives. He already had at least four at that point. Go be with them. But instead, it led him, one thing led him to another, and he was able to just in his own mind justify it until it was way, way too late. And then Nathan the prophet shows up and kind of in hindsight tells him this story uh, that makes him realize he has done something awful. I think that if we look introspectively at our own experiences, we should be very careful that we are using the warnings we have already received in how we process decisions that are before us. Certainly in the latter days, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, my goodness, we have more scripture than possibly has ever been on the earth. Access to more knowledge of things that have, have happened, if there's anybody that should know better. It's us. Paying attention to these teachings is fundamental. Certainly we'll see how it impacted Jesus. Now it is worth noting um, that Jesus was spending a lot of time fasting. Uh, Fasting is an important spiritual tool and just briefly um, what what it represents like sitting in sackcloth or ashes uh, as was done in old testament times it's a sign of something else the actual acts are not as significant as the emotion and uh, and the sign that we are trying to offer it's something that represents humility of putting god above our own appetites and passions and desires and it makes a difference god rewards faith, Um, like with any other ordinance. If it's not accompanied by true faith and prayer, fasting is just going hungry. Baptism without true faith and penitence is a bath. Uh, Taking the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is a light snack, unless it's accompanied by true faith and penitence. Uh, And so it is important to be genuine. And as we are genuine, these become powerful tools that represent signs, things we can focus our faith on and increase our faith. Um, Certainly, it it does make a difference. Uh, There's an example that would happen later in the New Testament uh, that Jesus points to when some of his disciples who are unable to cast out an evil spirit Uh, They come to Jesus, and uh, this is what it says. This is Matthew chapter 17, verses 19 through 21. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. It makes a difference. Of course, only with the prerequisite that Jesus pointed to true faith. That's what unlocks everything else. And then, with a sign of faith, it becomes even more profound. Um, Jesus himself would also teach in the Sermon on the Mount uh, that when we fast, we sh- it's not to disfigure our faces and appear like we're being miserable. It's to fast in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. All right. On the fasting page, after the fasting page, uh, comes our first of the temptations. Satan says to him, if thou be the son of God, um, then uh, command that these stones be made bread. Uh, Now, this might seem like something that would be really easy to justify, not just because he's been fasting for 40 days and he's probably pretty hungry, uh, or, not even probably, it, it says in Matthew 4, he was afterward hungered. Uh, undoubtedly, he was hungry. Um, but also, it, it seems like it would be justifiable because God has, at diverse times, provided food in miraculous ways and done so out of compassion or to help people. Uh, he literally sent manna from heaven for the Israelites to eat. So that they would not go hungry, um, Elijah had a situation where he was fleeing from Jezebel, uh, and uh, he prayed to die. But an angel came and gave him food. You can read about that in First Kings chapter nineteen, verses four through eight. And he, you know, takes a little bit, and then he goes to sleep. And the angel says, "No, you need to eat more." And in the strength of that meal. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights uh, to get to Horeb, the mountain of God, where he would commune and receive new commandments. This is very similar to this uh, situation that Jesus is in, the 40-day fasting to seek God. Certainly, a meal would be appropriate, right? Also, in the experience of Elijah, uh, the widow of Zarephath, um, who uh was had just a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil and Elijah asked her to make for him a little food first and if she did this then she would have plenty of food and miraculously the meal did not run out and the o- uh, crews of oil did not fail for as long as the famine lasted she was okay um and that's Also significant, an act of compassion that was shown to this widow uh, in the form of food. Jesus himself would later show compassion, uh, teaching 5,000 people. uh, He would uh, command his his disciples in John chapter 6 uh, to to help the people eat and, and ask, you know, oh, what food do we have? And of course, it wasn't enough to feed five thousand, but he blessed it and broke it, and had them pass it out to the people after having them sit down and it was enough to feed five thousand, which is crazy it's crazy um but of course uh, we we understand that it was a miracle it's not something that we can understand uh but it's another example of Jesus having compassion on people and using his power to feed them. Why then, in this case, uh, when he was tempted, when he was hungry and alone by himself, not going to ruin anyone's faith, could he not simply turn some stones into bread? It was within his power. And I think part of this comes with that condition that's given. Uh, And we'll talk a little bit more about conditions generally. But the condition here, if thou be the Son of God. And I think that's important. People who are asking questions, oh, you know, you should be able to do this. They don't always ask honest questions. And uh, hearing the word of God is not something that requires faith. Getting the benefit from it does. He he's not a rewarder of people who seek signs, and this language: "If thou be the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Command that these stones be made bread." That's sign seeking. That never works. Or if it does, it never works well for the person who is seeking it. Now, you could say that uh, you know Jesus didn't need to show any signs he knew who he was, but really he didn't need to to deal with this um, and he turns to the scriptures to give to give a, a simple and straightforward answer: man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God that uh, when you're really really hungry and you have the ability to make food using divine power, and instead you turn to that scripture, that that means something. Keeping the word of his father was more important than anything else. That meant something. Of course, that prophecy can be found in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. This idea that, More important than the physical nourishment, there is something that comes from God that gives us nourishment, a spiritual nourishment. And those who neglect this spiritual nourishment are in a state of starvation. Uh, And uh, it it is something that that is vital. Uh, So he resists this temptation with the Scriptures. Uh, then comes a scriptural temptation, uh, where Satan says, you know, that it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Um, so, I mean, if, if the devil can use the Scriptures, are the Scriptures even authoritative? If people can get different ideas from the same book, that's a very important question, and it requires some important thought. God sends prophets to lead men to repentance and obedience. Uh, And the prophets, the writings of these prophets or the teachings of these prophets recorded are the scriptures. But these prophets are men who also need repentance and obedience. Scriptures are meant to be understood in a context that brings men to do good, to repent and obey, but they're not always used in that way. Um, Obviously, Satan was not trying to get him to do something that was good, uh, but Jesus, with a mastery of Scripture knowledge, uh, answers with a Scripture of his own. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Uh, I think that that's really important, this idea. The fact that something comes from the scriptures is not enough. From whom does it come? Jesus predicts false prophets, or there are people who use the prophets in false ways, and that's essentially the same. They wear sheep's clothing, and they might have an innocent question or something uh, that they honestly are concerned about, but inwardly, their goal may not be that. Or they might mean, well, like some of the Pharisees uh, who, who really were devout in how they lived their life according to the Scriptures, but... In the end, they were straining at gnats and swallowing camels. Some people, even today, who mean well, can justify all manner of evil doing, quoting verses just about love in the New Testament and ignoring everything about repentance. True prophets, true scripture use is centered on inviting people to be better. Jesus would later highlight this himself in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This idea is, if it doesn't lead us to be doing what God wants, maybe it's not something that's not an appropriate use of scripture. Okay, final temptation, the kingdoms of the world. All these will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Few facts about temptation. Fact number one, Satan might be lying. Um, John, uh, Jesus clearly indicates that he is the father of a lie uh, in John chapter 8 verse 44 he accuses some of the others who are fighting him. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is the liar and a father of it. That's John 8, 44. We don't live in a vacuum. Uh, there are evil beings who hate us and will tell us anything to get us to do things. And I think that's significant. Uh, he might be lying. If you feel like, oh, if I break the rules, I might get something, you might not get something, too. Temptation fact number two. Satan is trying to get you to do something or not do something rather than just think something. He's not an educator. He's a motivator. He's been getting people to leave God and his prophets from Cain to Balaam to Korah to David to Judas, uh, numerous list. He's really good at it. He's really good at it. And once you've left God, then you're the kind of person that the only value you can provide to him is because he's already got you away from God. It's to get other people to do the same. A lot of these people who are enemies of God and his church fail to recognize these compulsions they have that keep them persecuting those who do good or persuading faithful people to abandon their faith. They fail to to recognize that perhaps they are just Playing into someone else's hands. The conditions that are associated with the promises he makes are significant. Um, Which leads us to temptation fact number three Satan's offerings are always temporary. Um, He shows him all these kingdoms of the world, but I cannot identify, there might be one, I could be wrong. I can't identify a single kingdom that existed in AD 30. That exists today. Even if there is one, ultimately Jesus is going to reign over the entire earth, and his kingdom will be permanent. This is an important lesson. God's offerings frequently come with temporary hardship, a leap of faith, uncomfortable repentance, but they end with permanent inheritance. And everlasting life. Jesus, of course, once again turns to the scriptures to overcome temptation and declares, "...thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve." I think this is important. Even Jesus Christ endured temptation. It comes to everyone. But Christ shows us the strength that comes from a correct understanding of prophetic words. Satan uh, is a villain, and I think in these passages Christ does a good job of exposing him as such, and he demonstrates how a person can show integrity by keeping to what you know is right. Do not cast aside your testimony lightly. Hold to the truth. Jesus Christ is so, the truth is so important to Jesus Christ that he identifies as the truth. And I think that's significant. Thank you, everyone who has supported this podcast. Of course, next week's studies will take us uh, to John 2 through 4. Uh, we'll probably emphasize a little about his conversation with Nicodemus. Um, We encourage you to continue to study the Come Follow Me program and the scriptures generally. Uh, Thank you for all of your support, and of course, as always, fight on!